Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thank you very much for coming out this morning. I want to thank uh, your pastor and the family for inviting us to be here. And uh, yeah, we're all friends because uh, Bulgaria and Romania are neighboring nations. And um, I heard about you and your church, and I follow you a little bit on the website there. And you know, and uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for coming up. God will help us this morning. As, uh, as, as your pastor said, we got saved in 93. Uh, my wife got saved in 94. We were teenagers growing up in uh, Brasov Church. It was a communist um, revolution. You know, we put the communism down, and people were very open to the gospel in that time. A lot of teenagers got saved. Probably in our church, we had like 100 people, and 95 of them were teenagers. And uh, from there, we all got married, and we all went you know, into the ministry very young, and I thank God for being in fellowship. You know, this is all we have. Can you say amen? We don't have a lot of money. If we have, we give it to the church. We don't have, uh, you know, we don't have, but we have relationships. And um, for me, I don't take it lightly. I am so happy that I can meet people all the time. And we're going up to Prescott and seeing uh, people from many, many nations. a miracle what we have, relationships. I'm looking forward to spend some time with you also tonight come up again. I'm going to preach more uh, about my, uh, my life and my testimony. And we're going to start uh, this morning in Joshua 17. We're going to go there, Joshua 17, from 14 to 18. We're, we're going to read there. Um, when I was uh, 20, I had to go to the Romanian army. It was mandatory. So we have some uh, people here in the army and Navy and young, uh, young men coming back from the training. But Back then in Romania, it was mandatory, so you have to go. So people were not happy. So we're all having a bad attitude. And so what happens is um, in the, we had a commander, and this guy had a habit to gather all the soldiers together, and he will have us sing a song to him, his favorite song. And he would have us do this many times. And when after we sang that song, uh, he began to cry, always. And it's a self-pity song. And our nation have many songs, self-pity songs. You know, uh, like uh, normally in the army, you have uh, these songs where you say, we're going to win, we're going to do this, or when my grandma was 95. You're... But to us, it's about how hard it is. And it's all self-pity. So this song is a nice song. It rhymes in Romanian, but it doesn't rhyme in English. 
But it says something like this. It says, sometimes I feel like striking the stone with a knife. From the stone to come out sparks, because I had no luck in life. And then, then it says, when God gave out the luck to the people, I wasn't home. And to all, he gave a truck full of luck, but to me, only one cup. And not even that cup was full, because half was wormwood, like bitter. And then he would cry. So I never got to ask him what was behind the tears. Because how many of you know behind the tears, there's a story? So when people are crying, there's a story behind. And for some reason, he felt that he was not lucky in life. That's what this song is about. That somehow, when God gave out the luck to people, he wasn't home. So many times in life, we can feel like that, that we don't have a good head start in life, that we're not lucky, that our lot was not the perfect one, or so-and-so had a more you know, interesting or easier situation. And in our text, it speaks about a very important moment in the life and the future of the children of God, Israel. They came out of Egypt, and they went into the promised land. They began to conquer the, some of the giants. And now there's a very, very crucial moment because Joshua is bringing all the tribes of Israel together and he says, we're going to draw lots and we're going to split the land. And it's very important because can you imagine these guys are gathered there and they're going to draw a lot. Maybe it was uh, like a stick or I don't know how how it works. And uh, whatever your lot, then this is where you have to live forever. You're... Next and next generations. You know, you had the tribes of Israel. You know, and so they all drew the lot and it's like, wow, you know, this is our land. And the sons of Joseph, which are Ephraim and Manasseh, they were not happy with their lot. They're looking at the lot and they're saying, it's not good. There's no rivers, there's no forest, there's, you know, it's, you know, what kind of land is this? And they are going to Joshua and complaining. How many of you know, he, you know they went to the wrong person? Always, people always complain to the pastor. But you know, what, what does Joshua have to do with it? And they're complaining and they're saying, Joshua, why is this lot given to us? Maybe God doesn't love us or what's the problem? And Joshua is giving them a very interesting answer. And we want to look at this. We're going to pick up the story at verse 14 in Joshua 17. It says, Then the sons of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given me only one lot and one portion for an inheritance, since I am a numerous people whom the Lord has thus far blessed? Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people, go up to the forest and clear a place for yourself. There in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The sons of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the valley land have chariots of iron, both those who are in Bethshean and its towns and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a numerous people, and you have great power. You shall not have only one lot. But the hill country shall be yours, 
For though it is a forest, you shall clear it, and to its farthest borders it shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, even though they have chariots of iron, and though they are strong. So let's first of all look at uh, your lot in life. What did you draw? When I was a kid, uh, there was a World Cup, a soccer World Cup in 1990. And I was a kid, and uh, what they had, they sell chewing gum. And when you buy the chewing gum, then you get also like a soccer player, and then you can make a collection. And it was a big moment for us because we saved money. It was very expensive, and we all saved money as kids. And when we all had the money to buy the chewing gum, then we will all go together and buy the chewing gum. But it was not about the chewing gum. We will throw the chewing gum. And, but we want to see the soccer player. And we're, we're looking and we're ha- very happy, you know. But then it's very inevitable that we say to my friend, what did you draw? And then many times I would become dissatisfied with my draw. Because I'm looking at somebody else's draw. So it can be like that in life. How many of you know ladies are happy with their houses until they go to somebody else's house? She's nicer. And then they're depressed. So sometimes we can look around in our lives. We can look at other people. And we can say we don't have a good lot. Think about this moment when they drew the lots. First of all, this is not their choice. They could not say, please, can you give me this land? I have a lot of kids. Can you give me this place with a lot of kindergarten?" You know, can you, can, I have cattle. Can you give me this place with grass? So it was not their choice. They drew a lot. Maybe they have cattle and there's no grass. And then it's a bummer. So it is not their choice. Second, it is not a contest. They don't get to do push-ups. And who does more push-ups wins the best place. I mean, we understand that in life. The guy had a be, has a better place because he's a better human being. Right? He can, he's more talented than me. And so let's make a contest, and then if you come out fifth place, you get the fifth, you know, uh, best place, and then you say, okay, it was a contest, and we won or we lost. But it was not a contest. Joshua didn't say to these guys, you're going to compete for the best place. You're going to draw the lots. Thirdly, it was not a social decision from Joshua. Again, Joshua was not sitting around saying, let's see which tribe needs more this kind of land, and let's make a wise decision here. No, it was just a drawing of a lot. And how many of you know in our lives, many times, the situation we are in is not our choice? We don't get to choose the family we're born in. You don't get to write a letter before you're born saying, can you put me in this family, please? You don't get to write a letter before you're born to say, can I be the firstborn? Or can I be the last that I have a lot of older brothers that I can all come and to school and beat us up with my friends. You cannot say that. The family you were born in was given to you. That was your lot. That was your portion. Your brothers and sisters were given to you. You didn't choose them. How many of you know in church, the brothers and the sisters are given to you? People are getting saved and sitting next to you. Bible says love him. Love her. Get along. People sometimes say, you know, I leave the church because I don't get along with people. Well, that's saying I leave my family because I don't get along with my brothers and sisters. But you cannot leave your family. It's your family. 
I mean, you can leave to go to some other place, but in the end, it's family. How many of you know in our fellowship we don't choose our pastor? They go Friday night in conference and say, yeah, so-and-so takes over the church. Yeah, here's your new pastor. You got to submit, you got to do this. Here's your pastor. You don't choose, you don't vote. You don't choose your country you're born in. In Romania, we have another song, self-pity song. And it speaks, this song says, I was born between the Carpathians. These are the mountains that surround Romania. It says, I, I was born between Carpathians. And then it says, unfortunately. That's what, that's what the song says. You don't get to choose your financial situation in life when you grow up in the beginning. I say you don't really choose your partner of marriage. I mean, I know you, you did choose, but was your brain totally developed and all these things? And, and so, you know, we, we look for a partner. We look for somebody who serves God or whatever. But how many of you know later in life, our partner can make choices. And then we end up in a situation that was not our choice. Other people around us, our parents can make choices that affect us. We didn't choose that they divorced. We didn't choose what our you know, people around us will, will decide. And sometimes it happens that you, know, you get married to somebody, but they have a choice. And later you find yourself in a situation that it was not your choice and you can be dissatisfied with this lot. There's a tendency to complain, to feel sorry for yourself. And this is what these people are doing. They're going to Joshua saying, this is not fair. This is hard on us because we are a lot of people and we have a small place and we feel restricted. How many of you in life felt restricted? That you want to do something, but you don't have the means to do it. That, that I'm limited. That, you know, I wish I was like so-and-so to have more at my disposal. And you feel that limitation. And this is what these children of Joseph was, were feeling. We're so numerous, but the place is small because there's a lot of forest, which, you know, what can you do in a forest? And then there's these mountains full of Canaanites, of giants, and we are restricted to this small place. And... Um, you know, in life, we don't start in the same place in life. Life's not fair. We don't start in the same place. I grew up, let me tell you, my daughters grew up in church. Right? I have two daughters. They're 14 and 9 almost. And so they saw their father lifting up hands to God. I saw my father lifting up hands to beat my mother. It's a big difference. Their best moment in life is when the father and the mother comes home. They're waiting for us to come home already. They're jumping our arms. Father's home. The worst time in my life was when my father came home. I wasn't looking forward to him coming home. I was thinking like, if he doesn't come home for a whole month, I'm not. I like it. So it's a different way to start. You can have a disadvantage in life. But these guys are saying, Joshua, what does this have to say about our relationship with God? He says, we, are, we were blessed until now. What happened? Because you can look at your lot and maybe say, it means God is not pleased with me. It means God is against me. You know, why is God not blessing me? 
you know, they say, what, have we sinned against God? God blessed us until now, and now we have this lot. What does it mean? And so let's look secondly at Joshua's answer. Because Joshua gave them a very interesting answer. He told them basically that if you fight, you will, gray, you will have a great spot in the promised land. And he says, but you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to go. So what's your problem? Say, yeah, but there's a lot of forest. Well, go and cut the forest. Because you just said you are a numerous people. So it means you have power. And he says, you have great power. Cut the forest. And how about a canonize? Well, you know, if you fight, you can't even win that. And they, they're sitting there a little bit with self-pity. But God is saying to them, don't complain about your lot. Fight. And let me make a statement. By fighting, you can compensate for the disadvantages of life. There's no point complaining. There's no point to say, poor me. Why am I in this place? Why is you know, this happening and that happening? Rather than victimizing ourselves, have to fight. And work. So it's not true that you are doomed. It's not true that your lot has to define your whole life. That's what it is. Let me tell you another song. Another song. I hate this song. It says this, like this in Romanian. It says, it says, who he's got luck, luck, has it. Huh? He's got it. He who doesn't, and then he says, he doesn't. So, because you're waiting for an answer, like, you know, says if you got, if you're lucky, you're lucky. If you don't, you're not. So that's it. Finished. The rest you have to cry and that's it. Somebody says it's funny because the more I work, the luckiest I get. Because you get lucky when you apply yourself. Don't excuse your failure in life because of your lot. Don't ever say, you know, I failed because I had a bad head start. These guys could always say, you know what, what could we do? When we drew lots, we had a bad lot, and that defined us for generations. You see, fighting for your inheritance is very important because it says that you will kill all these giants. And let me tell you, we can inherit some giants. Poverty is a giant. Romania is a poor nation. There's always poor nation. Communism, 45 years of communism can destroy a nation. And we grew up poor. And I didn't know nobody that was not poor. And it's a, it's a spirit. And so it's a giant that when you're saved, you're saved. But you're still poor. <laughs> so you have poverty mentality. So now I'm saved, but I need to overcome the Canaanites from the land. I have a promised land. It's a good land, but it's full of Canaanites. They're big. And these giants, I need to overcome. And it's, it's, it's a fight. It's a battle to overcome your giants. And so... Some of your giants can be responsibility. 
Everybody in your family was irresponsible. Can be alcohol. It's passed in the family. Can be divorce. Children of divorce get to the same age where the parents divorce, and they feel an urge to give up. And it's not only to give up on your marriage, but to give up on your ministry, to give up on relationships, to give up on your calling. Just the spirit of giving up is what divorce is, basically, most of the time. Your giant can be anger. Because you inherited. And you're saved. But you're angry. And you, you have to overcome these giants. It can be laziness. It can be insecurity. I grew up very insecure. I might give my, more of my testimony tonight, but they, they told me I'm stupid since I was a boy. You're stupid. You will never amount to anything. So I knew who I was. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything in life. So it's powerful. I was looking forward to not doing nothing. <laughs> Inferior. Insecurity. So let's speak about this because the answer of Joshua was not for them to excuse themselves or to complain, but to fight. And I want to look at God's hand in the lot. Because we might think that it was a matter of luck. But God was behind the scenes. And God was involved in your life since you were born. And God knows why you drew the lot that you did. And God had a plan to even use your disadvantage in life. That you get to a good place in life. So there's three ways God was behind the lot of these people, even though they're complaining. One, it says, Joshua is saying to them, you are powerful, you are strong. So when you think that your lot in life is a punishment from God, actually it's a compliment from God. Because God says, I gave you this difficult situation in life because I think you're strong. Because if I gave it to somebody else, they will not make it. You know, you are numerous people. That's why I gave you this land with giants and forests, because you can cut the forest, because you're numerous people. You're thinking it's a punishment, but it's a blessing. It's a compliment. Joshua says, if, 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 if this uh, tribe over here will draw this lot, they will not make it. It will be too much for them. So God is giving you a compliment by giving you difficult situations in life. He says you're strong. And maybe you say, Pastor, you don't know me. I'm not strong. Well, you are stronger than you think. You would be amazed how strong you are. If you make up your mind, I'm going to fight. I'm not going to complain, but I'm going to fight. I'm going to beat this giant. And so, second, second way God was involved in the lot is because God is looking at these guys, and God sees in the future. And he says, if these guys will fight, they will kill all the Canaanites, and then they will have the best land from the country. Why do you think these Canaanites with chariots of iron, you know, that was powerful. This will be like having F-35s today. You know, chariots of iron. Can you imagine that? That you fight and you go with these chariots and it's iron. I mean, and they, are, they had many chariots of iron. Why will they settle in that part of the land? Because it was the best part. 
So in a way, it's the best, it's a, it's a, it's a bad spot because it's full of giants. But if you take out the giants, then it, you, you've got the best spot in life. Let me tell you what it means. Let me explain to you. If you overcome your giants, you will be better off in life than the people who got it easy. People, so let me tell you something else. Don't spoil your kids. Got kids, don't spoil them. Don't say I'm the best parent because I give my kids an easy lot in life. Because if they have it easy, then something will be missing from their character. Some of that iron in the character will be missing. So in life, you see people that become successful not, desp- not despite their disadvantages, but because of their disadvantages. Their disadvantages worked for them. You have many times poor people who rise up in sports or boxing and all these guys because they, they say to themselves, that's my only means to somehow have success in life. And they work hard, but, you know, when, when these kids come and they're, they're, you know, they're not poor and you hit them and then they go home. They don't need the money. They don't need. So in life, you will get to a best spot if you win over these giants in your life. Because Pastor Campbell, Pastor Warner, you know these guys, they had trouble in life. And when they preach, there's anointing. And you ask them, and I ask Pastor Campbell, where's your anointing coming from? He says, well, you know, I had three very difficult situations in my life. You know that he lost his daughter, and also some rebellion with the churches and all these things. So that enlarged me. So I wish I didn't have this problem. But this contributed because I didn't give up and I fight to me having the best spot in the land. You will have a better life than the people who didn't have to fight. You're envious of people who don't have to fight in life. Don't be. Because you will be better than them. Something we, You will have some steel in your character. And thirdly, God is involved in your lot, in your life. Because if you win, if you kick out all the Canaanites, again, can be anger, can be responsibility, divorce, can be poverty, can be whatever your Canaanite is, or maybe there are more. But if you kick them out, then you will have a good land and you will give it to your children. Because this is all what it is. Let me tell you something. I'm, you know, I'm 42 in September. So the, now I'm looking at life very different. I have two daughters. And now I'm all, already thinking, Grandpa. It's amazing. I'm thinking of the children of my children. In my mind, I just finished high school. That's, that's what I think. But time passes. And, and sometimes I hear people, Pastor, I want to give up. Pastor, I want to do this. And I tell them, you can't give up because it's not about you. It's about your kids and your grandkids. It's not about us. You know, I'm angry. 
Well, you need to overcome it. Not for you only. But you're going to give it to your kids. What kind of land are you going to give to your kids? Because these guys finally stood up, if you read the Bible, they kicked out the Canaanites, and then when their kids were born, they're born in this nice nation. And they're looking around saying, wow, it's a nice place. And the father and the mother said, your father and your mother fought for this. Let me tell you how it was when we first came here. There was a lot of Canaanites here. Here was a forest. Here was a bed. You know, in America, I have the pioneers. Now, now you look around, nice. But it wasn't like that in the beginning. The pioneers had to not be discouraged because they were thinking not of themselves necessarily, but we're going to give a good nation to our kids. That's why I say my daughters are now born in church. What a blessing. But I had to fight for that. I had not to backslid. I had to fight my insecurities. I had to fight my irresponsibility, my laziness, my poverty, all these things that I grew up with, you know, the alcohol in my family and all these things. And I had to say, you know what, I need to overcome these giants so then when my kids and my grandkids come, they will inherit a good land because I fought not only for me, but for them. So you can't give up. I'm sorry. You don't have permission to give up. Remember Jesus in the garden? Father, can I give up? The father said, no. Just because you are sorrowful to death, just because you, your drops became blood, you want to quit? You can't quit. Because it's not about you. It's about the souls that you need to save. So Jesus asked the father permission to quit. Because if he j- would just quit, it would be rebellious. If he would just say, you know what, forget this. Who needs this? Let me go up to heaven. I'm the son of God. You know, these guys will kill me and crucify me. Who, you know, what? No, no, no. He asked the father, father, what do you think? Do I, w- I want to give up. Is there another way? And the father didn't even answer to him. Because it wasn't about him. And we're happy that he didn't quit. Let me tell you something. Quitting is a rebellious act towards God. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to quit. You know, because that's my problem. That's my father. That's how I grew up. No. It's about what's coming after you. Let me close with this illustration. We... From Romania, we have a church. We have a baby church um, sent from, from uh, our mother church. And uh, it's, it's a church in Bern, Switzerland. The pastor there is a good friend of us. And uh, uh, your pastor will know Matthias Kiefer. He, he is Swiss, but he, he grew up in, uh, in he, he was discipled in Romania because he joined our fellowship and he married a Romanian lady from the church in Romania. And so he was for three years, he was a disciple in the church together with us. And then he was pastoring in Romania for two years, and then he went to his own nation of Switzerland, and he's there, and he's a good church. But he's, so every year we take a team from Romania to Switzerland to help him, impact him. 
That is driving for 30 hours. 3-0. So we drive 30 hours, and we, have, we like it because we're still young, and we have fun on the road, and the car breaks down and all these things. And we, we go to him. And so it was tough. It was, Switzerland is a, the most beautiful country I have seen, probably at least in Europe. And many people say that it's one of the best in the world, like very beautiful place. Mountains, the Alps, and the snow, and just like in a fairy tale. Uh, Switzerland is a very, very beautiful nation. Like Garden of God. It's very small nation, and all green, and the mountains, and especially in the winter with the snow. And so we went there, and it was like uh, a little winter, and we outreach, and it's a hard nation because people are very close to the gospel because they have, are rich, and they are involved in the occultism and all that. And so we go on the street, 20 of us, we pray, we fast, we outreach four hours every day. In the night, you know, there are a few visitors, and that was back in the time. There's a breakthrough right now because he got a lot of immigrants getting saved. But the Swiss, uh, it's difficult. And one evening, we were, Pastor Matthias said, we're going to take you to my father's house. His father just passed away um, a few weeks ago, but this is years ago. So we went in this uh, village, you know, uh, thir- 20 miles outside the capital, Bern, and up in the mountains, and we go into this house, and there's a fireplace, and, you know, snow and evergreens, and it's so nice. And we look at the window, and the mother is cooking some food, and we're tired. We're tired, you know, 20 Romanians there, and they give us uh, something to eat, and we're fellowshipping. And then the father of Pastor Matthias said, went to the other room and came back with a huge Bible like this. And he presented his Bible to us from the 1700s. And he said, this is a Bible that we have it in our family, Kiefer, for many, many, many years in the 1700s. And we give it to our firstborn. When we die, so he said, when I will die, Matthias will have it because he's my firstborn. And then when Matthias dies, Noel, back then he was like 15, he will have it. And this, when I had this Bible in my hands, I was shaking because I know the history. Because if you had one of these Bibles in the 1700s, they will kill you. And you cannot hide it. (laughs) You cannot really hide it. And it will cost a fortune back then. And he says, but we, we give it from firstborn to firstborn to firstborn. Then he took out some papers like this and some papers like all the way here. And he showed us the tree, the genealogy of family Kiefer to the 1500s. They have that. And it says, this is the tree of our family. And what it is, we had martyrs. People died for Christ, keepers. In the 15, 1600s, this guy died for Christ. This guy. And they give it, and now it's the Bible, and now all the way to this guy. So I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling this moment. And then we go out to go to our place to sleep. And we go into the van, and it's quiet. It's quiet in the van. It's, a, it's one of those moments. And, and there's quietness. Somebody says, one of my disciples, Pastor, do you know why 
what I inherited from my father. He said a bottle of vodka, whiskey, whatever. And he said, he told me that's from the 1700s. It's running in the family, you know, you got to keep it up. It's very funny because in Romania, when you're three or four, they take alcohol and put it on your tongue. And they say, let, let, me, let him have the taste for it. And he said, this guy Cosmin said to me, what is my chance in life? Good for Noel. Because everybody was saved since the 1500s. <laughs> and now when, when I see all this, now I'm turning to Matthias, my friend, and I said, oh, so now I understand. Because you were a disciple with us for three years, and, I'm, and you were always this nice guy, and you always told us that it's better to give than to receive and all kinds of things like like you had character which I'm still struggling today <laughs> you know to but so so because we always said where are you from like who are you because we all got saved from the streets we all you know had our giants but to him he's born in this land giant free land and I said, I had a moment of inspiration. I still congratulate myself for that. I said to Cosmin, listen, Cosmin, let me tell you. Because the father of Pastor Matthias told us the story of his father, who grew up in the mountains of Switzerland, had some cows, and he will make cheese, and only four times a year he will go down to the city to sell the cheese. Four times a year, and the rest he lived up in the mountains. He was never a preacher. But he taught his kids, one of them being Pastor Matthias' father. He taught his kids to be Christians, to have Christian values, to give. And then he passed away. But now, all the cousins of Pastor Matthias, there are many of them. We just had the funeral a few weeks ago of his father. It was like 240 of them. And so all these cousins of Pastor Matthias, they have a meeting every 2nd January every year. And when they meet, there are now many of them missionaries in the world. Brazil, you know. And one of them just went to take over a place of a missionary who was killed. So the guy was killed and he was going to take his place. So this guy was never a preacher. But his grandkids are all missionaries in the world. So I'm saying to Cosmin, look, I know that your father gave you a bottle of vodka. That's what my father gave to me also. But you can be the guy in the mountains. You can be the first. Like these guys in our text, they were the first. And they're complaining. You don't have to be a preacher necessarily to have great impact but you need to overcome your giants so that you don't give in to your kids so then I realized what my father said to me when I got saved when I got saved in Romania it was such a shame to do that all our parents would beat us up not to go to the church because it's very shameful because you change your religion because we were orthodox and this is very Shameful. It's beyond religion. It's about friends and what do they say and all those things. And my father would beat me up. Don't go to the church. 
So I, I said to myself, I have to go. Otherwise, I become like you. And my, you know, I, I don't. I have to do something else. So he told me this. He said, "Listen, son. Nobody in Dragic family, in our family, was ever in prison or be saved. <laughs> you know, being a repenter is how they call us in Romania. Repenter." It's a very derogatory word, repenter. Because nobody was in prison or repented. And then I felt this the burden, the weight of these words, because I need to be the first. <laughs> it's like n- nobody ever went to prison or repented, whichever it was. So I'm the first. And that's why I have guidance. But it's worth fighting because I'm looking at the future generations. I'm looking at my kids, my grandkids, but also spiritually, my disciples and their disciples and their disciples. And in the end, only God will know how many missionaries and pastors and great people of God we will have in our genealogy. That, you know, Jesus doesn't come back. We can put a sheet of paper to say, from this time on, from my time on, this is what happened. And this is the Bible that I gave to my daughter, my son. And then they passed it on. And yes, you didn't start have a good start, but you can be the guy in the mountain. And that is an encouragement for you. You cannot give up. You cannot give up the fight because it's not about you. It's the future generation. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and think about this. We're going to have to fight and we're going to have to make it together. There's no other way. We need to look different at our lot in life. That actually can be a blessing in disguise. So if somebody here not saved, you want to step into God's family. You want to quit your sin, to repent of your sin and come to Jesus this morning. Maybe you used to serve God and you backslid. You found out this morning that you cannot backslid because it's not about you only. You need to come back to Jesus. You need to keep fighting. You need to keep believing that you can make it as a Christian. Fighting the giants can be discouraging sometimes. But it says God will help you chase them out. Even though they are strong. And even though they have chariots of iron. God is on our side. Somebody here not saved or backslidden. Raise your hand. I will pray for you this morning. You, you dedicate your life to Jesus again. Or you just come first time. Raise your hand. I can pray for you. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a song together. If you want to come to the altar. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, 
Would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.